Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. You will notice that we are neither uh, Noobs nor Andy. Noobs is still at his conference. He'll be here to wrap up the week tomorrow. Andy just messaged me this morning in Slack and said he had an appointment and wasn't going to be back at the office till about 1140. So he's gone, and the inmates are running the asylum today. I'm producer Dan. That's Matt Rooney over there. You're so since here. you did the intro, are you Noobs and am I Andy? Because if so, that's terrifying. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if really I, I don't know if I'm ready to be Andy. I mean, I've so I've been with Betsbert since May. Uh, when did we start, Matt? May of 2021. May of, yeah, it was May of yeah. 20, We're approaching 21. two years. Yeah, that, that's right. Two years in May. Two years in May. If you figure, okay, that's 104 weeks minus, let's say, like 95 ish weeks. Long story, bad math short. I've probably heard noobs do the intro to this show like 300, 400 times. times. Yeah. Probably. So I figured at this point, if I can't get it right, then like, what am I doing? So I figured I've heard it a lot, not as much as you, but still can't get it right. I still always screw it up. Yeah. I've talked to noobs every day, like more times than I've talked to just about anybody outside of like Betsperts and my fiance. And I've still never met him in person. Same. I th- didn't and like Andy and him just met in Vegas for like the first time in years. No, so. no, they just no, but like they, it was first time they'd seen each other in a long time. Oh, and they're in Vegas. Time, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, not COVID, met, but yeah, COVID kind of made some things kind of. That's crazy. fair point. Uh, nevertheless, we're going to talk sports. I'm not actually betting stuff. I just have stuff I want to talk about today. But we might as well just like launch into it and rip the bandaid here because Matt's yeah. going to talk about hockey, and you're going to notice a theme here with some Chicago sports sadness with Matt's hockey bet. So Matt, take it away. I really only have one real, like, actual bet that I like today, and that's an MLB future. I shouldn't say that. I do actually like these NHL bets. We can get to them. Um, Patrick Kane is a New York Ranger, and he is making his debut for them tonight, and I'm sad. I'm still not over it. That said, I think it, I think I said it on Tuesday. I already have a New York Rangers plus 1,200 to win the Stanley Cup future, and I think that starts out on the right foot tonight. They host the Ottawa Senators, who – not sure if you remember who plays for them. Other former Blackhawks 40 goal scorer, Alex Dabrinkit. So really just sticking the, the needle into my side here. But I'm going to go with Patrick Kane, anytime goal at plus 165, and Artemi Panarin, anytime goal at plus 220. We took Tarasenko to score uh, his first game in New York. He did so. Kane is, for a while, it looked like he was either, you know, I don't want to say going through the motions, but maybe he was a little bit hurt. Um he took off once the Rangers traded for Tarasenko and said, uh, we don't think Patrick Kane's healthy. And he has seven goals in his last four games. They do. They are emotionally correlated. Patrick, thank you for noticing. Um, he's got seven goals in his last four games. He's rejuvenated. He's looked like a completely different player. And now he gets to go play with, and it's going to sound weird because he's been with Jonathan Taves his whole career, but like the line mate he's had the most success with throughout his career whether it ran a short amount of time, he won an MVP playing alongside Artemi Panarin. That was the most, that was the best line mate he's ever had for him. The two played as, as well together as I've ever seen anybody play with Patrick Kane. They're perfect for each other. I think they both have a chance to score a goal tonight. I think one of them very much will. And I think with Panarin at plus 220, I think Kane's going to give him a, a bunch of great A chances tonight. So I'm going to take one of the, I'm going to take both of them to score. Um, I think there's a pretty decent chance one or the other scores. And if you're getting plus 165 and plus 220, give that to me. Uh, and then we're going to take the Dallas Stars minus one and a half, plus 100 at my Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I'm happy that the Hawks stink because I want Connor Bedard. 
they've lost their last two games now to the Ducks and the Coyotes, and the, the Coyotes game wasn't particularly close. Now they're taking on a Dallas Stars team at home, who they did just beat a couple weeks ago, but that was because Patrick Kane went off. He's not here anymore, obviously, if you haven't heard me say that. Um, uh, the Hawks are a, a very bad hockey team right now. The Stars are one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Even money to win by two goals, I think they do that, and I think the Hawks are going to stick uh, right on that path of tanking hard for Bedard. Let's do it. I love it. I mean, I get it. And like the the thing about them being the best teammates, that the, that kind of stands out to me because like I'm going to trust your opinion on that. And that's you know, so if you if you got 10 minutes this morning, go YouTube Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane, 2016 highlights. The things that they did were like it, the the amount of no look passes, the amount of like chemistry, knowing exactly where someone's going to be before they even knew it. Like those guys have the same hockey brain. Patrick Kane's brain operates at a, at a different level on the ice than just about anybody in the NHL in terms of seeing the play, the ability to see plays develop, know how they're going to develop. And the one guy that got that more than anybody else was Artemi Panarin. You saw that a bunch of times. So I think they're going to do some really, really fun things in New York the next couple of weeks. And if and when the oh, the Rangers are going to make the playoffs, when they make the playoffs, some some early con smite tickets on one of, one of those two. If I'm, if I'm in on the Rangers to win the cup is something I'm going to look at as well. I love it. I also wanted to add to some of your Chicago uh, anxiety this morning with talking about the NFL draft combine is underway. You'll see some workout stuff today, but nothing great. But the one, the big thing is happy Bryce young weight day, weigh in day to anyone who celebrates uh, that draft prop got, that got steamed up to over 200. Finally, we talked about it yesterday. It opened at 195, got up to 200.5. I bet it at 199. And now I'm kind of sweating it a bit because Jonathan Jones from CBS said people are expecting him to weigh in close to 200, oh. but maybe not get there. Uh, I've heard from a couple of people. They think he's going to be over 200. We'll find out he's not throwing. So, I mean, there's no reason he can't come in and like 201, 202, and then, you know, trim down if he wants to a little bit, but I wanted to talk about the number one overall pick in general, because obviously Bryce Young is the guy who is uh, targeted by most people to be the top quarterback in the draft. And if someone's mm -hmm. going to make a trade up the most likely person to be drafted number one overall, if they make a trade kind of sort of, uh, this was a market that was up at bet online and actually Andy got this put up. Um, this is team to draft first overall. So which team is going to select first in the NFL draft? The Texans are plus 240, your favorites. The Colts are plus 275. I'm a little surprised the Raiders are ahead of the Bears at plus 400. The Bears are plus 450, and then the Panthers and Falcons are both 600. So basically, it is the Bears and then all of the quarterback, potentially quarterback needy mm -hmm. teams in the top 10. I say I'm surprised with the Raiders because I do think they're going to make a big push for Aaron Rodgers oh, or maybe even like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I think there's a non-zero chance that they are – going to tr to get a quarterback in which case they would not trade up so i'm a little surprised they're ahead of the bears there but at like plus 450 like what is your assessment of where this is where this is with the bears before i kind of give my thoughts on what i think the, the chance the bears take the keep the number one overall pick i think is a little higher than people think but i want to hear your thoughts on it first i honestly maybe it's because i'm uh, obviously close to the situation living in chicago and, and see a lot of more bears related coverage i think there's almost a there's like a 5% chance the bears actually pick at number one. It's just, it's not going to happen um, to too many teams want to quarterback and too many teams will be willing to trade up. And I think at the end of the day, as much as you would like to trade back with the Colts or Texans to keep yourself at, you know, two or four, if you get a call from Carolina at nine, Atlanta at eight, I think Atlanta's eight, right Dan? Picking eight. 
Carolina uh, is nine. Atlanta is eight. Or, you know, um, the Panthers at seven. Like, they're going to have to blow you away with a deal, but one of them might do that. And you're going to, it's going to suck to fall out of the, the race for Will Anderson. But the, but the amount of picks you're going to get, you have to take it. Like, th- this team has way too many holes to just pick at one. They don't have the, well, they have a second round pick, but it's the Ravens. So it's not till the back half. And they don't want to be trading more draft capital to just move up. This team needs to collect draft capital. Um, as much as I would love to see Will Anderson in a Bears uniform, I, I, I still think there's a pretty decent chance it happens because I think the Texans probably are the team that ends up trading up for number one. Um, the possibility of them trading back to a seven, eight, nine, I still think is very real. More real now that Jalen Carter is obviously in in the the legal hot water that you know came out yesterday, and it, I think there's a pretty decent chance they still move. Back. They're going to move back no matter what, but I think the chances now of them moving back to seven, eight, nine became a little bit more real because it's just Will Anderson or depending on how much they like Tyree Wilson, obviously he's shooting up draft boards, but I think that the chances of them moving farther back in the top 10 increase. So I don't see them picking at number one. I think something would have to go very, very awry for them to keep that pick. So I would not bet the Bears at plus four fifty. I would need at least ten to one to bet the Bears take. Yes, I, I would agree, I agree with, with that. you. Like I do think the likelihood is high that they trade the pick, but I think what it's going to ultimately boil down to is who wins the philosophical battle in Indianapolis. Because Jim Ursay came out and said he's a big fan of the quarterback from Alabama or the quarterback from Alabama mm-hmm. looks really good, but. There's been this long-standing thing with Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, is a very toolsy, very traitsy GM. He looks for certain physical characteristics in players at all positions. And at quarterback, he likes tall quarterbacks. They mm-hmm. like quarterbacks who are 6'3 or taller if they can get them. So there's going to be some ideological battle there in Indy. Obviously, Ballard won the ideological battle over the head coach. We had heard there were legitimate concerns or thoughts that Ursa had a deal with Jeff Saturday to be the head coach full time and eventually got talked out of it. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he's going to double down now and say, this is my decision. I let you have the coach. This is going to be my decision. Or does Chris Ballard say, look, this is what it's going to be. They might have if they if Chris Ballard likes Levis or Richardson or Stroud or whoever, and they want that's who he wants to draft it's going to cost them less draft capital to get that quarterback because it seems likely that the Texans want to draft Bryce Young. That's what has come out so far. And if that's the case, then, you know, worst case scenario, the Colts might have to swap with Indy or with Arizona at three in case somebody decides they want to trade up for CJ Stroud. So that's really the key. If Jim Ursay wins out and they want Bryce Young and the Texans want Bryce Young and maybe the Panthers want Bryce Young, Chicago is going to get paid. They're going to get what they want in this situation but i wonder at this point who wins that ideological battle in indy and if it's not chris if it's not jim ursay if chris ballard says look this is who we should draft and jim ursay says fine you're right let's do it it becomes a little bit more difficult the cost for the texans probably won't be very high because at that point i just i don't know what it's probably an extra first round pick whether that's 12 this year or their first round pick next year. I think they're, I think the bears will get a first round pick out of this, but yeah, like I think that's, that's it. Like there is nothing then beyond that. If Indy doesn't want, if Indy's, if, if Ballard says we're not drafting Bryce young and they don't, and that's true. I don't know, man. Like they might get a second, an additional like second round pick out mm-hmm. of this. The bears are going to obviously have to play everyone against each other here too. Like that's a big yeah. part of this. They're going to have to say, Oh, well, Carolina has told us they want this guy. And the Raiders have said, they told us they want Bryce young and so on and so forth. We might just stay here and take Bryce young and all those kind of things, even though I don't think that's realistic. I it's think not going to happen. I think you put that. I think you put that smoke screen out there for sure. If you're the Chicago bears mm-hmm. in that situation, 
the the Jalen Carter thing's interesting. Charles McDonald from Yahoo put it out there yesterday. He talked to some people at the combine, some uh, executives who said as long as the charges that came out yesterday were the end of the legal complications for Jalen Carter. They, they don't expect his draft stock to fall much if at all. Um, I would tell you right now, I'd be very surprised if Jalen Carter were at eight and the Falcons didn't take him. So, you know, maybe that affects some things. Maybe it doesn't. I just, I teams can rationalize anything if they want, mm-hmm. if they really like Jalen Carter, they can say, well, we we're going to make sure that he has someone driving for him. And we're going to make sure that, because apparently there was something about a speeding, another, another yeah. aggressive going like 89 and a 45 yeah. or something like that. So like, okay, we're going to make sure that someone's driving you places or, you know, there's going to be provisions and things put into his contract. And then they'll just say, Hey, this is a guy that we want. So I don't know if I'm banking on that. And if the bears really want Will Anderson at this point, I do think I'd be surprised if, Jalen Carter went ahead of Will Anderson. I know a lot of people hammered Will Anderson to be the number one defensive player off the board yesterday when all the Carter stuff was coming out. They're probably not going to be able to go past three. Like, I think Arizona probably will take Will Anderson if he's there at three. So if the Bears really want Will Anderson, they're probably going to have to go to two. And maybe that changes some things. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that when we get there. Uh, And obviously, the combine is going to shake things out a lot. Uh, we'll see what Bryce Young's weight is. We'll see what his size is. McShay said he's 5'10 and a half, which I'm guessing McShay probably knows something there. So if he's like 5'10 and a half, 200 pounds, I don't think it's going to affect things too much. You're looking at a guy who's going to end up measuring roughly around where Kyler Murray was, not the explosive athlete Kyler Murray is, but a guy who I think is just miles better as a quarterback. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bryce Young. I am concerned about his size in the NFL level, but, you know, it's not mine. If, if he were like, it's not going to happen, but if he were there at eight, he's the one guy. If the Falcons have the eight, the, at stay at eight, or if they're at eight still, and he's somehow there, like run to the podium, even though I don't, yeah. he's not going to be there. He won't be there. So, nevertheless, uh, that's where they are there. I'm interested to see too. We talked, I mean, we were talking about the defensive players, Jalen Carter dropping. And I know I mentioned him, but like Tyree Wilson's rise feels a whole lot like Trayvon Walker's last year. Like at this point last year, it was Aiden Hutchinson going number one and kind of who was going to climb up. And I don't think Trayvon Walker was ever a second round pick projection, but he wasn't number one. He just kind of kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing. And then you look at it and he's minus 220 on FanDuel to go number one, Aiden Hutchinson falls. I'm interested to see if Tyree Wilson at all, for whatever reason, when people start running around in shorts and stop playing football, their draft stocks seem to rise. I'm, I'm interested to see if at some point somebody starts saying, well, he's going to go ahead of Will Anderson. And then that narrative starts getting spun as well. And I mean, you're seeing it with Anthony Richardson now too. He was projected to be a second round pick, you know, a month ago, and now he's, you know, getting seen to go number one overall. We've seen that with quarterbacks, especially more than anybody uh, like Baker Mayfield going from a third round pick possibly to go number one, Kyler Murray, a second round pick projection going number one, like, is someone going to convince themselves they're that in love with Anthony Richardson's tools? And you're talking about guy who like a guy who's in love with tools, Chris Ballard. That's a, that's the most toolsy tool quarterback you can find out there. We thought it might be Will Levis, but it seems like Anthony Richardson seems to be that guy getting steamed up. How, 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 uh, how in love is a guy like that going to fall in love with him? So this is going to be like last year's draft kind of lined up and seemed a little bit more on the predictable side with the bears at one, all the teams looking for a quarterback the defensive players at the top, like this is going to be a fascinating couple months and then hopefully draft night to watch. Yeah. As far as the Richardson stuff, I mean, that steam was strictly off of the Chris Trapasso mock draft for CBS. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big outlet. That's how it starts yeah. though. It, it starts with somebody and then I'm not buying that smoke. I think uh, the Tyree Wilson smoke stuff I was buying, I think so he's going to, and eventually he's essentially going to be the same size as, uh, 
Trayvon Walker was, except mm-hmm. he's going to have longer arms, which is crazy. He's Somebody like, had him do that, the wingspan yesterday at his press arm. conference. It is ridiculous. The problem for him, Trayvon Walker ran a 4-5, or mm-hmm. between a 4-5 and a 4-6 at the Combine. Uh, Tyree Wilson's not that fast. He's supposed to be in the 4-7, 4-8 range. If he can get okay. under 4-7 when he runs, it's going to help. But what hurts him, he's recovering from a foot injury, and he's not going to run at the Combine. He's going to run at the Pro Day. And I think running at the Combine matters just simply because everybody's in one place. People start yeah. talking, oh, my God, did you see this 40-yard dash? This guy just ran. It's not going to be quite the same thing at the pro day when he's in Lubbock running, but uh, he is a guy who I, you know, I've had a lot of discussions with people about him. Um, and so I don't know. I think he's got potential to go to be the first offensive player taken. I do think not being able to participate in all of the drills at the combine does hurt him a little bit compared to like, if he were able to run, but we'll see again, if he can get under four, seven, when he runs the 40, uh, I think that's going to help a lot. Patrick says, I literally bought it at plus 650 yesterday after the news broke. What did you buy at 650? Was that Tyree Wilson? Was it, was it or, him or was the Jalen Carter first yeah. defensive player? Patrick, if you could give us some, some clarification on what that you made button. here. Um, and as we're waiting, we can go ahead and, because I'm just curious, uh, we'll talk some baseball. Baseball's going on. I really wanted to find some World Baseball Classic stuff to bet, but there's really only who's going to win, who's going to advance, and who's going to win their groups. So I was looking for like player-level stuff, and there's nothing out yet. I am so excited. The first game of the World Baseball Classic, or one of the first games, is Venezuela, which is Ronald Acuna Jr., my favorite baseball player, mm-hmm. against the Dominican Republic, which has just an absolutely loaded roster. So that's going to be fun. But none of that. Uh, Patrick is, just uh, Kyrie Wilson to go okay. first. When is uh, is there? It's in the WBC is in Taiwan, right? So there's two. What time are we getting our games? There's well, there's two pools that are going to be played in in either Taiwan or Japan. I can't remember exactly which. And then there's going to be two that are played out on the West Coast. Oh, like the U.S. the U.S. group, and then whatever the other. I think the the U.S. group and the Venezuela group are in the in california out in la and then there's the japan south korea group and then there's another group that's like chinese taipei and a bunch of i think people. i think i saw yesterday that uh because yohan moncada and luis robert are both playing for cuba that they were boarding a plane for taiwan so i think they might be over yeah. in that group too. Um, that's that's thanks for that so the so it starts i think i want to say maybe the world baseball classic is the seventh and the eleventh um so sorry march 8th and then march 11th Okay. So the teams that are playing in Japan or playing overseas, they play earlier because then they're going to have to travel yeah. back to the United States for the uh, knockout round. Okay. So they're going to get a, they're, they're going to play earlier and then get a couple of days of rest for the, the travel back. But nevertheless, couldn't find that. We'll, for, we'll have some game. We'll have some yeah. bets on that once the the games actually sure. start getting. A Ron Lacuna sure. Jr. home run bet is something that I will very likely make. Although he's probably going to be facing Sandy Alcantara in the first game, which probably won't go. That's well tough far. one. That's yeah. tough one. Uh, nevertheless, you do have a Major League Baseball win total because that's also a thing that's happening right now is spring training. Did you see the video of the game that they the umpires left because they thought that well the game was technically would have been over. But so there was a there's a, a spring training game the other day, home team winning after the top of the ninth. So the game's technically over. Yeah. But the teams just wanted another half inning to get some more reps. So they were basically just the, they stayed and played the bottom of the ninth with no umpires. That's like kind of awesome. was just calling balls and strikes. Spring training always provides weird stuff like guys who don't have names and numbers and all that kind of stuff. And then pitch clock stuff. But uh, you're, you're shipping up to Boston. We got it. We got a socks over. The other day, now you're hitting us with a socks under. We're taking the other socks for under 78 and a half wins. It's minus 108. Um, I don't see it with this team this year. They're they're uh, probably worse off than they were last year. I, I know Chris Sale kind of comes back this year, but 
how good is Chris Sale going to be? He hasn't really been healthy for three, four years now, and banking on him to be the guy, the ace for all season, it, it consistently probably not up there. You look at the rotation, Corey Kluber. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, the the ace Cy Young guy for years now. Nick Pavetta. Like you, you look at their lineup. They lost J.D. Martinez. They lost uh, Xander Bogarts. I mean, Devers is back on the the free agent or the the extension, but like they lost two of their three best hitters. Trevor Story is never really healthy. Uh, I just don't really see it. Like Adam Duvall is a good player, but you're going to need him to have a career year. Justin Turner was brought on, but like he's old and he's not the same guy he was a couple of years ago. And you never know once he leaves LA where he's been forever for one more deal, if he's going to be the same guy. And you look at this division, like they know Noops and Andy talked about their Orioles last year, but like the Orioles are on the up. Like that was their first year of, you know, young up and coming. They're going to be better this year. They won 80 some games last year. All these teams outside of, uh, the Red Sox won 80 to 90 games last year. And I don't think any team necessarily got all that much worse. Tampa, maybe a little bit, but like Tampa's Tampa, they're going to win 85 games like clockwork every year, because that's just what they do. The Yankees are going to be probably a little bit better adding Carlos Rodon, Toronto, similar to Baltimore. They're a young and up and um, a young and up and coming team. That's going to be good. Boston just seems like they're on the downside. They're not really spending much money. Like I said, Bogart's gone. He's a franchise player. He's out the door. J.D. Martinez, so good for them for so many years, so productive, gone. I just don't really see it for him this year. I think I think getting back to where they were last year is going to be really tough. Um, and I, I know I had a similar bet, I think, with the Guardians last year. Obviously, Cleveland ended up winning the division, but they were playing in a pretty bad division. The, the Red Sox are playing in probably the best division in baseball with four other legitimate teams that have a legitimate chance to win the AL East. And Boston, I just think, isn't going to be able to hang. Yeah, the question is going to become like, what is what Baltimore did last year sustainable? That's certainly going to be a, a piece yeah. there that makes that division a lot harder to kind of figure out because maybe it's a, was a little unsustainable. Maybe they they obviously contended a little bit mm-hmm. earlier than people expected, but they're also absolutely loaded with young talent. Yeah, if that team becomes just like a stays at least a giant pain in the ass, even though there's the balanced schedule levels out some of the like just getting beat up in your own division. I mean. It's it's kind of tough from there, so I don't. I think I don't, that's their floor, honestly. I think Baltimore's floor is that like annoying pain in the ass because they are a really talented baseball team with you with you know young players who go hard all the time, and I, I think they're going to get better. I don't 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 dislike that at all. And Matt, <clears throat> I got a call for a second. Um, if you, sorry, if, by the way, if I sound awful, I've had a sore throat for like. You sound dynamite. Days. You sound great. I was hoping to not have to do a show today, but you know whatever. I step up when I need to step up. I'm going to take a sip real quick. Go ahead. We got some college football lines that we're going we to do next. We're going to, we're doing a blogger bowl um, pop in episode, pop up episode here. All right. Looking I'm good. forward to it. So, mini blogger bowl reunion show right now. Shout um, out Phil. It, it's March 2nd. What up, Phil corporate Phil hope, hope the job's going well. What better time to talk about game of the year lines in college football than on March 2nd. So let's go ahead and let's do that. Uh, I put, put this graphic together for the BetSports Twitter account, so I just copied the same games that I used then to try to get some <laughs> of the notable teams and games in there. I know Colorado is not a team that is good. They're not good. Um, but obviously, the Deion Sanders story is the biggest story in college football from, I think, just like a casual viewer standpoint. And if we're being entirely honest, that game is fascinating. You have Colorado, Deion Sanders, all of these players, like a completely different roster from what they had last year, going on the road to face a TCU team that is re- that ranks 118th in returning production, according to Bill Connolly from ESPN. So this is a team that lost a lot. Obviously, they're losing Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, some of their other like really, really, really excellent players. Hosting a Colorado team who they struggled with on the road last year and Sonny Dykes' first game, obviously, 
they understand the system better than they did last year at this time, but the roster is going to take a step back. Um, man, that's going to be a really interesting game. I think best case scenario, Colorado keeps it under 14 and people start thinking that maybe they have something cooking there and then they really don't. Uh, LSU Florida State is going to be the hype bowl. Expect the winner of that game to be the hyped team in college football. A lot of people think Florida State is going to be September 3rd. Is that same day as it was last year, the Labor Day game? I, if it's September third, so. Sunday, but I'm not so sure. You, but yeah, that week, like Labor Day weekend. It's, it's, Labor Day yeah, week. it's a yeah. Sunday game. Yeah, that's yeah, it's the opening. It's the opening weekend. Florida State's a one point favorite. Texas at Alabama. I will get to in a second. That opened at eight. Alabama's now a nine and a half point favorite. You're fighting Irish host USC. Uh, USC a one and a half point favorite on the road. Georgia in the only game in their regular season where they're going to be challenged. If you want to laugh, look at Georgia's schedule. This it's year. bad. They're going um, right back to the playoff. The, they're the going right back to the playoff. And the only team who's good is that they play this year is Tennessee, unless uh, Hugh Freeze can work a miracle at Auburn. And then they get the Tennessee game off a of bye week. So there's that. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And then the game, Michigan, a one-point favorite over Ohio State at home. Michigan actually returns a ton of talent. What stands out to you when you look at some of these games? I mean, we talked about it before the, the show, and I know you're going to dive into it a little bit deeper, but – Bama being nine and a half point favorites and we don't know really like, they're coming off a year where I know they're Bama. I know they reload, but like we're coming off a year where it was their biggest down year, but we can, I, you know, I hate calling it a down year cause it's a two loss year, but like it was a down year and they lost the guy that really got them as far as they did last year. And Bryce young, like that team was not that special of a football team. They just had a really special quarterback and even he, couldn't get them over the hump into a college football playoff. They lost a couple games and he tried his best to win that game at LSU. They ended up losing obviously, but like, I don't, I don't see how they're nine and a half point. And it probably it's because it's at Alabama and Tuscaloosa. And, you know, we're not really sure. We haven't seen Quinn Ewers really pass a tough test on the road in, with flying colors. And that's going to be a tough spot for him. But Texas brings back some talent. You can get back into that more than I can, but like, Sark gets them up for big games. They bring back a very good quarterback, a very talented quarterback. We're still learning how good he is, but he obviously has the potential to be as good of a quarterback as there is in the country. They bring back a lot of talent on both sides of football. Nine and a half points is a lot. And we don't know the quarterback situation at Alabama. And we don't really know a whole lot about the talent reloading around them that they lost. Yeah. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Hold on. I'm trying to find a name. that I You tell me it's seven and a half. Totally understand that. I get it. I still probably wouldn't take Alabama, but I understand if you're making it seven and a half because it's a Texas team that's still unproven going on the road to Alabama and this it's this far in advance, but like I don't a nine and a half seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean I, I, I'll go on the record right now. So did you I'll already go bet Texas? And I'll say it. Are we overrate are we already overrating Alabama in twenty twenty three? Probably. I mean that's what happens every year. I mean we talked about it last I mean last year at this time, not quite this time, but uh, when we were doing our blogger bowl pre-shows and you know people were talking about Bama being one of the best college football teams of all time. And they just weren't really even close to that. So I think in the college football world with Nick Saban at the helm, Alabama is going to be hyped up to the max every single season. And by default, they're going to be overrated because uh, some years, because they're just not going to win the national championship every year. Yeah. So in the interest of full disclosure, these lines can move a lot on little bets this at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm not sure there's like a ton of money pouring in on Alabama minus seven against Texas or minus eight is what it was when it started. But there were minus eight when it opened and someone bet it to minus nine and a half. And it was probably a couple of bets, like not anything major. But like, I want to know who's running to the window in February to bet I Alabama. I don't get it 
against Texas. You talked about it. They were 10 and two last year. They could have gone 12 and 0. They could have gone seven and five. Like the Texas, the Texas A&M, the Ole Miss games could have gone differently. Bryce Young covered up a lot of warts on that team last year on offense. Will Anderson's production was down, but teams were game planning to stop him and they were at their best when he was at least affecting the quarterback. And when he wasn't, you could get that defense last year. They've lost their two best players. They're losing a ton of talent. I know Alabama reloads. They don't rebuild. They reload, and they're ultra-talented. They just signed the best recruiting class in the country. But we're at a point now where their wide receiver core was very uninspiring last year. I don't know what anyone saw from that group to think they're going to be a lot better. Yeah. We don't know if Ty Simpson's any good. We don't know if Jalen Milrow's any good. We don't know what the offense is going to look like under Tommy Reese, who's a fine coordinator. Like The coordinator hires were fine. Tommy Reese is fine. Yeah. Um, Phil, uh, God, the guy who Kevin, Kevin, Steele. Kevin Steele, Kevin Steele is fine. Like they're fine, but they're not inspiring. He, Tommy Reese might have upside, but I don't think he's as good as a Sark or Lane Kiffin as a player. I don't either. They're going to be good. They're Alabama. They're going to contend for the SEC. But like I, when I say I think they're overrated, I think that's going to be relative to the spread in a lot of those games. As far as Texas is concerned, the Quinn Ewers did not play very inspiring down the stretch. I think there is reason to kind of wonder what he's going to look like this year. That said, this was an offensive line that started two freshmen, two sophomores. They didn't even start the top freshman recruit in the country at offensive line, DJ Campbell, who will very likely be in the starting lineup to start the season on that offensive line. That's a group that should get better. Their wide receiver room was a bit of a mess last year. Uh, Xavier Worthy just had a strange season, but he came back. Isaiah Nair missed the entire season last year with an ACL injury. He'll be back. Uh, they got A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, who's a big game player, had touchdown catches in the last two national title games, transferred to be closer to his kid who lives in Texas. And then John Tay Cook's a really good recruit, uh, one of the top wide receiver recruits in the country. They obviously lose Bijan Robinson, and that means a lot, and Roshan Johnson, but they've got a lot of talent in that running back room. Like, that offense could be very good, but at this point, like, Texas is pretty good. Like, I don't think they're great. I don't think they're going to go out there and win, but, like, I think at any number north of seven, I think you'd have to lean Texas there. I mean, I was way wrong about it last year. I thought they're going to get crushed, and now I think they're going to contend in this game. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why anyone's running to bet Alabama against anybody at a number like that this point in the year when we don't know what they're going to look like. Like, what if you know, honestly, Noro both stink? Like, I love talking about college football lines, and I'm like, I like that we're doing this because it gives us a chance to preview college football, but like. I don't really understand many people. If you want to go throw a few bucks on a line that you like, but I don't understand the people like going to the, the, the window in on March 1st, March 2nd, and taking these college football games that are, you know, Texas is early, but like Notre Dame USC is like week six. It's October 14th. Like Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, Michigan, Ohio state is obviously the last regular season game of the year. So many things can happen that are going to change these lines that we have no idea what you know the correct line is at this point we have it's all just pure all obviously sports gambling is educated guessing when they're making lines they know what they're talking about they're usually right like at this point you don't know is jj mccarthy going to be healthy is sam hartman going to be good is caleb williams going to tweak a hamstring in week three and then decide you know pull a jackson smith and jigba and say like hey it's probably not worth it for me to come back like we don't know any of these things yet and i think jumping this far ahead and grabbing these lines now is really, really tough, especially for the later games like Colorado at TCU. All right. That's week one, LSU, Florida state week one, you kind of have an idea there, but these games that are, you know, week seven, week 10, week 14, you're really, really, really rolling the dice on those. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I just we're fun to talk about though. I I love those games, about those were some of the biggest games of the year. And, yeah. the, and then the Colorado TCU game, I don't mind betting it if you think that the market is way, way off. Like somebody hammered Washington. I think Washington opened five and a half 
point favorites against Michigan State, which without doing a ton of research, like in my brain, seems like that's a bad was a bad number, got yeah. hammered, and now they're, they're at Michigan great. State this year, right? I think so. I don't think it's gonna really matter a ton um, necessarily not. in that game. So like, there's probably some semblance now that's gonna be an early game too but like, yeah. there's some semblance of like there might be just well, some that's bad about the there. early games for so, sure but it's, it's yeah. some of these later ones that as fun as they are to, I'm, it's, this is just more of a psa to the people out there who yeah. know what they're doing but just like hey be careful we don't know who's gonna be playing when and where and who's gonna be how healthy and all that kind of stuff so i would also say like at a certain point like if you feel like somebody said Notre Dame a lot line. better yeah, i love it at that point if like you think someone's going to be a lot better than than vegas thinks they're going to be at this point then i understand like i think tennessee was a prime example of that last year and i think people mm-hmm. thought tennessee was going to be good i don't think people thought tennessee was going to be as good as they were and you could have got them at a huge number against alabama in the preseason yeah um i probably would wait until at least after spring practice to kind of see what we can what kind of information we get out and see who comes out of spring practice healthy uh before i would start betting on a lot of these but if you're confident in your handicapping then you know there's not really a bad time to bet anything if you're confident that your numbers are right you know it's yeah. risky and i don't know that i want to tie up money this early but if you're confident in, in your system and what you're doing do it i think like yeah. that's fine i don't i don't have a problem with that i'm just not tying up a lot of money now if that texas one gets to 10 be mighty tempting to give me. You gonna have any? Uh, you gonna have any national championship Iga Swiatek futures going? Um, probably. I'm probably not gonna get Max Verstappen at a really bad number to win the Formula One title. To me, like, it's hard for me to want to back anybody. LSU was the only team I really wanted to even try to back, just because it was a big number. It got beat up a little bit, like. Georgia's going to be in the playoff. I think by the time they start playing teams that are good, they're going to figure out some of the question marks that they have. I, I just don't know that. Mi- I think Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. Like they return a ton of talent, but like is Michigan the kind of team that can beat Georgia? Like what have you seen from Michigan in like nothing? Transitive property does not exist in college football. I understand that, but Georgia versus Michigan would not have gone a ton different. It would not have been sixty-five to seven. But no, but it wouldn't have been close. It, it would have been. It would have looked a lot like the Orange Bowl did. You know, Probably. the, the exactly. semifinal a couple years ago. So, like, maybe Alabama, you know, maybe there's some upside in Alabama figuring everything out, and cool, Alabama does not Maybe Ohio State, because, again, they have the talent. But it's going to be the same teams year in and year out that, like, I don't think you're going to see a ton of teams worth betting on in that market just because, like, is, is Florida State going to make the jump? Is, like, I don't have any appetite for backing Cade Klubnik. You know, I, I backed him at, at Heisman for the Heisman at pl- uh, above 20, if you're going to give me Clemson at that price, like maybe, but that's going to require him to have a great year and for them to win two games in the playoff. Yeah. That they're going to be, I just like, it seems like the gap's pretty wide still between Georgia and a lot of everyone else. And I haven't done a lot of preseason prep. So, you know, as we get closer to the season, maybe I'll, I'll bet some stuff once some of the preview mags start coming out and I can start kind of putting together some of my thoughts, but I'm probably going to stay out of that market. I'm trying to stay away from the Heisman, but you know, I get sucked. Yeah, in. You're not going to stay away from the Heisman. I've bet a couple of guys already in the Heisman market. I bet club Nick, I bet Tanner Mordecai at a ridiculous number. Cause I think Wisconsin might. I, I really do like, it was like 200 to one. I think I, I like that Tanner Mordecai flyer. Yeah. Um, and if you could find I don't, I'm not sure if it's out there again, but if you could find the same Stetson Bennett, like top four Heisman finalists, whatever with Tanner Mordecai, then I really like it. Leg, our good friend, Leg show magazine joined the show late. He's on the opposite side of you here, Matt. He likes Ottawa. He thinks the line is an overreaction to Patrick Kane's addition. He thinks it'll take a few games for him to gel with his new teammates. Look, Leg show, go back to the beginning of the show. Listen to Matt talk about how Artemi Panarin is a better player than Jonathan Taves ever was. And I'm just kidding. Um, that was just to needle you. No, um, but it, I, it, I, I totally understand that line of thinking, but in this in this scenario, there is no but I said at the beginning of the show too, there's no 
player that Patrick Kane has had better chemistry throughout his career with than the two years he had with Artemi Panarin. There was, and it happened from day one, which oddly enough was a game against the Rangers. Panarin scored in his first career game on an assist from Kane at the United Center. Um, like from day one, those two have had just like twin like chemistry with each other where they just know what each other's going to do at any given time. Is there the possibility that it takes a little bit of, bit of time to gel? Sure. But I don't think those two are going to really have that issue. And I think it's going to be a very seamless transition. I think it's just going to be like right picking up right back where they left off. Well, we have gone. We'll see what he has to say. Uh, not reading Patrick's comment yeah. on the air, but you can go in yep. the chat and see what Patrick had to say. On that note, we have gone way too long. There's no time. That's fine. We're talking college football. You could have gone long. another hour. But I'm I'm out of stuff to talk about. Plus, I need to go finish my drink because I'm my throat is starting to dry out Fair on me. Enough. And I've got work to do. Uh, tune in today, eight uh, six p.m. Eastern. The deep dive. We had to put. We had to move the show back a day. We are there. And we. I'm not part. I'm just going to be behind the scenes. Andy and Drew. Are gonna You're talk part of it. Andy. You produce it. I produce it. But I'm not on the show. I said we. Like I'm on it. Uh, Andy and Drew will be talking with our friend Sam Hoppin, part of our Betsperts four for four team on uh, modeling and handicapping Formula One. So we'll have that at six o'clock. Also, the fifth year option NFL draft podcast. I believe we're going to record that at 2 p.m. today with Andy and Vegas refund as we get set for the combine to really kick off. So that'll be on your podcast feeds probably around three, four o'clock this afternoon. Deep dive at six o'clock. Andy, noops, maybe Matt. We'll see. I always just message uh, Andy on Friday mornings to be like, is Matt? I think it's today? a three man weave. Them. I, I, honestly, I message him the same thing like, hey, three man weave today. He's like, sure. So I'm, I'm so guessing I'll be on the show again tomorrow. So we'll probably have a full lineup for you as we get set to go into the weekend as championship week is beginning and we'll begin in earnest. So we will have all of that, more hockey, more tennis, more basketball, everything else your heart could desire. The guys will talk to you tomorrow.